Peace. Peace. Peace, God. Peace to the God. Peace, God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. We're live now. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, you know, to this next episode of Kill Religion. It's a very special, special episode. Um, because I got I got one of my one of my, one of my brothers, you know, one of my brothers in the knowledge here, uh Sunya as Allah. Um, this is the guy Yasir Allah, your host. And uh we're gonna get we're gonna get right into it. The guy Sunyaz is a brother that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting in the physical um as of yet. Um I have to I have to make my way out to another show and prove. I haven't been to the show and prove since 09, guys. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah okay. so it's it's okay. it's been it's been a been a long time. Um but the God Sunyaz is is a brother who who is doing a very important um, class um, at at our at our headquarters, a law school in Mecca in in, in Harlem, um, New York. I um, mean, you do that every week, right, God? Yeah, every Thursday from every seven th- to ten. Of course, the ten is very yeah. The ten o'clock is very fluctuating. Nobody. <laughs> I know it. I know it. <laughs> and then um, another thing that the God—he's very much the um, one of the one of the righteous. Uh, I don't know if I could say gatekeepers, but one one of the one of the righteous advocates, <laughs> one of the righteous advocates of hip hop. You know, and and really and really striving to uh, to put out to put out the message and keep a certain standard. Let's keep keep a certain standard in hip hop. I think I would say. Um, well, would you agree with that, God? I would. I, I don't. I don't call myself a gatekeeper because I, I'd say I have to say that I was a, unsuccessful because <laughs> I shoot a lot of people and they get through. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and um, and then they get mixed in with so many others that I think is so much greater though. But Word. you know. Again, you know, yeah, you know, like I always say, uh, you know, um, I think, I think my, the the ultimate duty is when you talk about music and stuff is to show an appreciation with real details, you know, more than like and dislike, you know, and and then and then when you show an appreciation of it, then you can, then people can understand why certain things need to be listened a little bit longer, you know what I mean, and then then the gatekeeping comes because that also comes with depreciation, you know? So you have to depreciate certain artists, mm. you know, because they're not really artists, mm. you know, they're, they're just in it. They're just in it to, to make a product, you know? And that's more so obviously, you know, we don't need to go too far to prove that people make a product. Right, stuff, right. You know? But um, when I started doing that in, the, in 94, you know, people really thought that they were, everybody was real. So every money-making scheme, every insincere um, product maker was considered real, you know? That was the problem in the 90s. Everything was coming out so good. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting, God. And, you know, we, you, know you, you, you started straightening, you know, building on hip-hop so we can, we can keep it there for a minute. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, 
one of the things you said, I mean, you did, you just recently said about, about how, how, how you, how you try to shoe a lot of people, you know, but, but they seem to make their way in, uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> and you also mentioned, you also mentioned something important where you were saying that you try to, uh, that, that, that you want to, you want to build on why someone should listen to a particular artist um, longer, right? You know, while, while, while certain artists deserve more attention, right? Um, right, uh, right. I, yeah. I wanted to speak on something, God, because like nowadays, like I, I was having, I was having this discussion with, with one of my, one of my longtime, you know, 85 buddies, you know, from, from childhood. And you know, he's, a, he's, he's a hip hop head, you know, too. And, I was, I, I told him, I said, man, I said, you know what, man? I said, you know, like, if you look at like, like 2010 <clears throat> up till now, like, this is almost like, like, these last, like, build years, this has been some of the best hip-hop that I remember, you know? Um, if you, if you, Absolutely, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, if, if you're looking in the right places, you know what I mean? Uh, of course, you know, yeah. you know the the people, the people that you know. Of course, I'm not speaking on radio. Of course, radio. I mean, that's something for the kids. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, if, if you're looking at the right places, like the output is so massive. You know, like the output of music now is so massive, God. Like every week, it seems like there's two to three projects that are fighting for your attention. Yeah. So, so, so in one way, it's like, it's, it's great because it's like, I'm never running out of stuff to listen to, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I think that it also becomes problematic because you got some joints that come out that you want to give more time, but it's like, you can't because you're so bombarded with so many others, so much other, other music. Hey, you know, would you, would you agree with that? How do you see that? You know, I, I agree with it 100%. Um, you know, at the end of the year, I end up with almost 200 albums I have to sift through. Um, and, and, and when I write a review, almost when it's finished, it's almost like I can't listen to it anymore because I, I don't have the time to enjoy the album after I've done the work with it, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, so that becomes a thing, you know? But um, to that whole point in general... I, I've had, I have a lot of thesis, you know, a lot of thesis ideas. I have a lot of concepts. And one of them that I'm always building on is that um, I, I've always called the, the 2000s um, the dark ages, you know. And um, when, back in, it, it was an unpublished paper I wrote that was quoted. So since it was cited, I actually have proof of the time that I did it. But um. <laughs> I wrote a piece in 19, I think it was 1999, and I wrote Why Hip Hop Died. And so I predated Nas, though. I like to give myself credit for that one. <laughs> but um, I said Why Hip Hop Died, and, um, and, I gave, and I gave reasons because, mainly because good artists didn't have anywhere to graduate, you know? And o over that over that dark ages, the 2000s, being in, in different magazines like Double XL, Source, um, Bible, I was at all of them. And a lot of guys that were really, really whack, um, 
and a lot of guys that were talented but disingenuous to me. Mm. You know, because, you, you know, what people don't get is that you can get an artist that thinks he's uh, doing it right, but it's not. It's insincere, you know, and um, you have to look into each person's catalog to see that, you know. And a lot of times that happens. How does that happen? Like, how does an artist make music that isn't good uh, or isn't what I'm saying sincere, isn't is disingenuous, but they wouldn't notice it per se. A lot of that has to do with the hype that's surrounding the person. So they really start to believe that their that their ways and actions are actually proper. You know, so you know, we would get albums that I would think like, oh, that's that's pretty much mm-hmm, trash. Mm-hmm. You know, or that's really not up to par, but it's being called like good material. You know, I said this on my new my new show, right? And I said that I gave the example Eminem because I, I, I like I like to use Eminem as an example because he's someone that is very um that has been well traveled. Mm. You know, in 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 my thought, in the way I catalog it, he's well traveled and has really copied and also used a lot of techniques. In other words, he's elevated his own techniques using others, but he's also copied stuff. And because he's been to so many ciphers though, like God, like someone will end up seeming original because they have copied so many things. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they've copied since the dawn of time, so it seems so original. You know, mm. it's almost like um, it's almost like a pile of garbage. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's never, it's never that pile. It's never that original piece of garbage, though. It wasn't that original old can of soda. You know what I mean? Or that old meal that was thrown away. It's a whole bunch of new. It's a new thing. You right, know? right, right. And um, if they have a talent level, right? If they have a talent level like like an Eminem, who has a talent level. And when they do that, it's the perfect example because I was at places where they were telling me, oh, this is the GOAT. This could, this guy could be the GOAT. And they were playing to me his first album. And I was like, this is a joke, that right? That was some bullshit, God. I swear. This is a joke. My- you know, we're not talking about his second album, which people consider a classic, which, you know. Um, and um, part of that is because I measure classics based on the time period. If you can't beat or match up with the records of that time, Right. It's not a classic, you know. So, so um, I don't even put it in the same stratosphere as Supreme Clientele or 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 Let's Get Free. So I don't know why we even talk about it. It's a lesser album. It's great, but it's a lesser album. Absolutely. But um, again, that goes with my biases and its content. But the reason I'm saying this example is because a lot of lesser talent was being given a lot of hype, and people were falling for it because they can actually make money writing about that hyped artist more so than going back in there and reintroducing people to a guy that is coming back or was already known and is coming with better stuff. And that would be like a Ghostface example when he came out with Supreme Clientele or people that challenged the, the views that you've already sold out for. So you've already sold out. So it's hard to write about Dead Prez now without sounding like a piece of shit hypocrite. So all of these things make it very difficult and they allow the dark ages to continue. And I think the three major artists, if people want a visual that don't get to graduate or they get stopped by the industry or themselves and and cause the dark ages to further is, I would say like due to themselves, maybe big pun, um, Due to the industry, mainly not all, 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 but Lauren Hill, and possibly just because 
they didn't pay enough attention to the 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 diversity I give a most deaf, you know, Yasin Bey. You know, those are three good examples. But the reason I'm saying that, God, is because when you go back, those dark ages diluted the music. You had artists that had degrees that were better than mine, more equipped to, to handle the music business than mine. You know, because I have a marketing degree. Me too, and and if yeah, and I don't sell anything. In fact, I use my marketing degree to recognize that I refuse to market things, you know? <laughs> and and people like Ludacris or other or other rappers, they had much more intelligence than they rhymed about. And so you saw that trend, which I find totally disingenuous. Mm. And I don't care where it's coming from. These people like Two Chains, Lil Wayne, they all went to college though. So when you when they rhyme like total idiots, it lends a disingenuousness that has become what we see today. Right. You know? And so when you see a rapper that's a sellout today, like you say, oh, he's such a corn. Like he's just, but he's always like that. You go, People will just say he's always been a sellout because they start selling out. They see this on TV. So they do things to cross over before they even meet a, a record executive. And what happens is that that dark age, that 2000s led to this, this time. So the music that we're listening to, me and you, is much greater, um, and a lot of it challenges the nineties. Like it could stand toe to toe as far as quality. Absolutely. But it's why I call this decade the Invisible Renaissance because it's it's a renaissance. It, it came back stronger because a lot of the underground of the two thousands was very derivative. You know, the artists that were all doing big pun flows, mm-hmm. or the artists that that they were very subtly just doing Eminem. Eminem inflections and stuff, which sounds dis- disgusting, you know? Disgusting. And corny, you know? And a, a bunch of auctioneers on record, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. Rhyming, rhyming fast, but no real rhythm, you know what I yeah, mean? Absolutely. absolutely. No, yeah, there's no black cadence. There's no black cadence. It just sounds like drone, uh, a drone rhythm, you know? Oh, God. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like, um, it's almost like rock, you know? It's our music, but when they take it over, it becomes a stabbing Some rhythm. Some other shit. <laughs> yeah, it just becomes a stabbing rhythm for the most part. You just stab things. You're not really making a groove, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, that's my long answer, God, because I, I don't think I could write, and I don't think I could extend my element, which is a hip-hop writer, and be creative with it and, 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 and document this much if the music wasn't this good. I, I really wouldn't have much to write about. You know, Absolutely. and I have, you know, and I have, and I, I'm always, I'm always behind, you know, <laughs> I'm always, I'm always behind, you know, it, it could never be out front because I, I want to write something that is as good as that album. Right. So it's hard to patch up and there's such great material out there. Man, you know? God, it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it, it keeps coming and that's, you know, I'm, I'm right, right in line with you regards to Eminem, God, like I, I don't, I never owned the Eminem album. I know when he came out, people was going crazy. And God, that speaks to yeah. that, that, that speaks to that speaks to our psychosis, right? As original people. You know what I mean? You got you got a white boy that comes out, you know, doing our shit. And even if he can do it half good, we wanna Man. we wanna we wanna give we wanna give him the fucking throne. You know what I mean? Like, and that was the thing. It was the, it was this made up throne that was made up with statements like um, on the East Coast, like 
it was Double XL who made up that concept. Tupac is a, a, a entertainer, Biggie's an MC, so they could give Biggie greatest of all time. But then, like a, a minute later, Eminem comes out and says, "Oh, this is the guy," you know. And then they jump on him, and and um, it's always flip flopping. But I think people like Eminem, I think people like Jay Z, because I, I, they're my main culprits when I put this point out. They're the last pop MCs, you know. They're the last people with actual talent to cross this over. And when I say cross over, I mean that in every bit of disingenuousness that I can find, because I find disingenuousness in their actions and in their music. But um, people like Eminem, he's the he's the original John Cody Hawkins of hip hop because he was studying he was studying all the ciphers in Detroit and was welcomed in there because he's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. Right. When, when they say he'll build a home for you, right? He told them how to build homes for themselves. Those white folk didn't come down, and they're all carpenters. Build homes for themselves means that they could make a life for themselves and be an add-on to the society that they intend to infiltrate. So then they could get in. You see what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not like there was a whole bunch of carpenters came in down and said, I know how to do this. I can hammer. I can nail. I can... That doesn't make sense. Right. But... When they come down, it's a, it's symbolism of like what they can, you know, to be allowed into society, you have to be able to give something to society. It's a give and take. That's how societies work, you know. Even the most savage, like the one we're in now, you know. So when we look at that, that's what Eminem was doing. He had some talent level. He could give him, and mind you, I was there, and I'm not going to name names, but I've been in a lot of cybers. I met Eminem way before he was signed, and that idea of like, yo, this is my white ticket. I saw it again and again. Wow. And I would be like, wow, he's he's a funny rhymer. But why are you on top of him like he's like he's some kind of, I couldn't put my mind I couldn't put my mind on that word ticket because it was inconceivable to me, God. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So I'm living in the pre-dark ages, the beginning of how that's molded. But here I am, I'm not figuring that out. Because you know what's funny? I heard Eminem's demo where he kills his baby mom and all that before and I heard it for the listener. I heard it colorless. I didn't know who it was. And one of my one of people's played it for me. And I had a radio show and I used to visit other radio shows of fellow radio men. And um I was like, that's corny, you know, you're not gonna bring, kill your baby mama, then you gonna bring your kid and bury it. That's ridiculous. That's you know, that's, that's gimmick and it's corny, you know, like so it, and um so, so I was always against it. And then I, I didn't know he was even after I met him. I just heard his freestyle. And it was funny, but it wasn't something that I, that drew to me. Plus, because I was in ciphers of other um, unsigned hype, source unsigned hype people that I thought was way better. Mm. But um, the thing about it, the thing about it, God, was like, that's the last era of that pop MC, you know? Right. So, but they did the things that allowed these things to happen. You know, they did the things that allowed, well, you know what? Now we can actually do this without talent. We need to get somebody without talent to do all this. Right. Because a lot of people don't know that John, that John Horty Hawkins nature is something that is very prized by the white industry. They prize that. They prize that Eminem actually went through Detroit, through New Jersey ciphers, and through Brooklynville ciphers. You know what I mean? You know, he was rolling with Thurston Howe. 
And then all of a sudden you see quirky uh, stop and cut flows for, for, for punchlines. You see ad-libs, mm-hmm. oddball ad-libs. Mm-hmm. And then Thurston Howe comes out. They don't need a Puerto Rican to do all that, especially one that has Spanglish mixed in the lyrics, has his own culture, and is coming from a notorious gang that obviously isn't a gang anymore but an organization. But who's going to deal with that? Hmm. I signed even if I get Thurston Howe to sign it, which he never would because he never wanted to be controlled. We don't know how to control him once we sign him, right? Because you know you can't control Brownsville brothers. You can't control them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Word, word, word. So all of these things happen. Eminem's perfect. He's gone in there. He's gotten all the good jewels, all the things that we need, and we use him. And um, now they don't need talent, but before they were using talent in that way have the talent voluntarily dilute themselves, mm. you know? Mm. Mm. And that was the dark ages. Now you don't need talent, though. Somebody's sitting out there and actually thinking that Drake has talent, though. That's almost like, you know, it's almost like, that's why I do that MCNBA metaphor, because I always say that these are five-point scores. These are ten-point scores, you know? Mm. They're just bodies to draw fouls or, or play, <laughs> play garbage time. But we're exalting them, you know what I mean? Mm, indeed, indeed. But you see, you, you know, you see a lot of one twenty and all that. You know what I mean? So now, for you know, self God, now, so so yes, you, please, yes. You just you just mentioned something that I wanted to get to, right? We um, so God, I'm from, I'm you know, I'm I'm from C Medina, you know, C Medina, you know, Chicago, you know, for those that don't know, and where the goat is from, where the goat is from. Ah, right, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. So, so you know, so God, so for, so for those of us, those of us that got knowledge that are from, you know, the Midwest, you know, the South, um, a lot of places on the West Coast, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, where where the knowledge is not as prevalent and a part of the everyday culture as it is in New York, right? Um, right. of us got got wind of the knowledge through hip hop. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you know, you know, you know, during that, you know, during those eighties and during those eighties and early nineties, you know, a lot of us got wind of it through the hip hop. I know, I know. For me, my physical is understanding equality. Right. So, um, you know, thirty six. So. You know, I remember hearing things, you know, when I was when I was a young when I was a younger kid, you know, from brand Nubian, poor righteous teachers, X Clan, you know, public enemy, those brothers. Um, but then the the shit that really stuck and resonated in my mind that that led to me seeking out the knowledge was those early 90s groups. And first and foremost, I gotta say was Wu Tang. You know? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Wu Tang, Wu Tang, and that whole fucking flood of music, and how they just really, how Wu Tang just really dominated the industry, God, on some on some real hip hop shit. Like they dominated the industry um, when they when they first came and really flooded. And so all of that, all of that, God, that was during my, that was during my, you know junior high high school years you know what i'm saying that that wu-tang flood and and so 
So that was what really what really put me on. And I can remember, I can remember when when uh Wu Tang Forever dropped. And Wu Tang Forever dropped. Mm. And at the time, uh so this is this is ninety-seven. Uh, June I was in third, nineteen ninety seven. Right, and exact. I was yeah, it right <laughs> summertime, summertime. So summertime ninety seven, I was in high school, and <clears throat> at this time, um, this was this was just after this was the summer of my uh of my freshman year of high school, right? So, you know, at the time, you know, I wasn't driving, you know, I didn't have no car, no shit like that. And also too, you know, I was um you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't have, you know, money like that you know what i mean and i wasn't really tripping so i was still rocking with tapes i hadn't even transitioned into cds and shit yet right so <laughs> i was still rocking with tapes uh so yeah. so i remember so i remember me and a couple of my guys we walked up to the to the uh to the record store remember those <laughs> and you yeah. know we walked up to the record store we walked up to the record store and I used I used the money I had that my that my father gave me from you know cutting the grass and stuff like that. So I used the money that I had and I copped the Wu Tang Forever double cassette. And mm. so I went back and I remember playing it that whole summer and I remember the intro with the God Freedom. The intro mm -hmm. with the God Freedom, and I mean the whole the whole intro, he's he's just building. Right. The whole intro is building. He's going through lessons. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, what is he talking about? Right. I'm like, what is he talking about? And then I'm listening. I'm like, why are they calling each other God? I'm like, now, now, again, this is Wu-Tang Forever. So this is after the first group of classics they had, which all of the math and, you know, and what lessons and all that is in those first group of albums. But I hadn't I hadn't really caught it at the time you know what i mean so so but so but at this time i'm listening because on that on that intro to the wu-tang forever album is so blatant you know what i mean Absolutely, God? yeah it's it's, it's yeah. so blatant you know what i mean like freedom is on there and it's just and then you got stuff in the background and you know mandela you know and all this shit i'm like <laughs> what is this yeah yeah i'm like this is i'm like this is some crap like this is the craziest shit but i was so I was so um, magnetized to it. I was like, man, like, what is this guy? And that right there was like really the beginning of me starting to uh, kill religion in my own mind, right? Mm. That, was, that was the beginning, you know, because I'm, I'm listening, these brothers calling each other God. I'm like, what is they talking about? How did they die? You know, right? So um, that was the beginning. So I, I wanted to ask you, with as powerful as hip hop was in, 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 in a certain time period for ushering in and being the disseminator of this, of this great knowledge that, you know, our, our teachers that came before us and given Marcus Garvey and El Haj Malik Shabazz and, you know, the father and Elijah and Farad and all these other, you know, great teachers that we've had hip hop being the disseminators of this knowledge at a certain point to the point where they had it to the point where to to read to be down with that type of shit was what was cool mm. you know what i mean absolutely they, they, 
you know, they had it to a point where for you to be on that type of pro-black shit was cool. And, you know, and um, now that's not the case. I mean, it hasn't been that, that way for a long time at this point. So I, I wanted to ask you, God, like, what do you think was the cause of that going away? I mean, I've heard brothers say, you know, it was the industry and, you know, the, 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 the white power structure, you know, stopping, you know, that, that teaching from going on in the music. I mean, do you, can you say it was the industry? Can you say just the times have changed? And what would it take in order for that knowledge to, to be, what would it take in order for, the gods to be something popular again as it once was well for first um i would say this right and, uh, as someone that's been teaching at the school since 2000 um i, I don't i don't want anything to be popular you know mm. I, I want people to be sincere about things and and not really and go past that because then it would being popular and drawing things because they're popular or teaching to get numbers, which a lot of people do, um, I think is inconsequential to this whole thing, you know? Um, whatever we're teaching them, it's actual fact. It's true. Because it's true, we don't need, we don't need necessarily to have... Um, these facts, what I'm saying is this, right? These actual facts, this knowledge itself, it is all actually true. And if it, and because it is true, it could be proven by anyone. It could be lived by anyone. So it doesn't need to be popularly driven, though. It just needs to be shared better. You see? And I mm -hmm. think that in a lot of, in a lot, uh, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because the language, though, people have made it robotic. You know, our dialect has become robotic with people, you know, and that's one reason it doesn't always hit. It just sounds droning, you know, but, um, but when it comes to hip hop, right. And for me, you know, I, I definitely have a similar experience with Wufa because I, I find it the most important record in, in my life. Um, because I was just about to get knowledge and, you know, when RZA said things like, you know, nothing compares and I was like, what is that? I need to find that. You know, when you said that on duck season, you know? These are lines that, that Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I could get a queen in seat, but what what's what's with the uh le the lessons? You know, what is that? And um I literally was telling my, my, my twin brother and I was going, Yo, we need to get this. What is he talking about here? We need to get this. And he was just like looking at me all crazy and stuff like you know, it's just like the secret and shit. Yeah, I was like, Where do you get this stuff? You know what I mean? Um, but in the New York history of it, you know, like Wu-Tang Forever had so much engineered hype around it, but in New York, because you're saying like in New York loves hip hop and I mean, excuse me, where New York, um, with so many gods and the language of it was, right. it's right. also, it, it, um, it doesn't tell the whole story about how it diluted. And I think Wu Forever is a great example because that was like the peak. But everything immediately shot down right after that. Mm. You know what I mean? It's almost like when people talk about Saturday Night Fever. They'll go, that was the peak of disco. But after that, it pretty much dived immediately down, you know? Mm. And um, 
it was kind of like that with that album. To give a horrible example, because disco deserves no mention in any kind of musical conversation. You know what I mean? But um, <laughs> right. I love R and B and soul and funk too much to to not throw that dart in. But um, right, right, right. The thing about Wu Tang Forever is that once it came out, and I'm telling you this because this was the thing. Once it came out and people started to listen to it, all those arguments that people have about, like, when people hate reading and people hate studying and all that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, they, there's too many words in it. Like, this is the kind of stuff I used to hear. Or, like, the beats, they all seem the same. And, of course, because it's a, like a boom-bap record. Right? And when you go, when you go back, I remember going into Nobody Beats the Wiz, right? The Wiz. Mm. And just shopping in there. Obviously, I had Wu Tang Forever the minute it came out. But I go into everything, and mind you, I was no, I was obsessed with records. It was the only thing I did criminal, and that's how obsessed <laughs> I was. I would buy, steal, collect, borrow, dub. Uh. However, I got an album, I would take it, and I'd go in this. The um, I remember the first week, I already had it for a week, and I went in there in their um used CD bin. It was filled with Wu Tang Forever copies. Mm. Filled. And and I would talk when I would go to radio with my own and others, I, I would hear people and these are like, you know, we talk about gatekeepers. The real gatekeepers that a lot of caused this underground to be so diluted in the two thousands or not people get the shine. Um and cause the uh real hip hop white MC renaissance, the you know, or, or explosion I would say, better better word. Yeah. Um, is because most of college radio in New York was all white kids doing it. Mm. You know? And and what happened was they were all saying, like, oh, this record's too deep. I, I heard people tell me, um, Ghostface, you can't understand anything you're saying. And for me, God, the 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 whole point of the woo was that that I loved is that they had so much knowledge and insight, but they they were writers. They wrote creatively, they wrote abstract poetics. They wrote prose. They told stories. It was poetry. It was like literature in another level. Right, right. It's literature. Right. And, and, and they, they, they were making up their own slang. Everything was so, you know, every type of literary device you could think of, they was coming up with. But um, it was a big fail. If that Once that record was opened and it didn't sound poppy and it didn't sound like hardcore street poppy the way Biggie's double album was, mm. They were like, whoa, I'm not ready for all this. And we had we had ciphers where we would just argue, argue, where we were like, Wu-Tang Forever is incredible. And the other side would be like, nah, Biggie's double album is the album. It's perfect. It has everything. It has a little bit of every type of corn syrup and every type of, of fruit that you could put inside an album. But that doesn't make it, you know, a fruit basket is not a hip-hop album. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And they're, they're, when you go when you go through it, Wu Tang Forever was just a heavy album. Mm-hmm. It was so freaking heavy, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was deep. It was you know it was mind blowing. I was listening to that for years, and it led me to really seek the knowledge itself because in my history, God, I'm from Medina, you know, and but I'm from the part of Brooklyn that has no five percent real influence. Okay. Okay. You know. Okay. So I'm from I'm from Sunset Park. That was really a Puerto Rican neighborhood, and gods were really god bodies. They were the enemies of Latin kings, nieta, familia. They were they were the enemies. Mm. 
And so when I go out seeking knowledge, I'm actually going out to other areas to get it. Though. I'm actually in college and I write in my columns. Um, that's why, you know, because you're talking about the intertwining of hip hop and, and this knowledge. It's because when I was writing my column in college, Sunset Style, because I'm from Sunset Park, right? And we had, I had a whole Wild Style logo and everything. And I'm, I'm writing that I'm God. I'm, so in, I'm influenced indirectly by stuff. You know, I'm influenced by the idea that we have to learn how to teach what we know because Brand Newbie and the Elijah skits that they put into um, the In God We Trust album and the Everything Is Everything album, you know, they influenced me like crazy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially that Everything Is Everything album. I, I loved it. And of course, memorizing Brand Newbie, and that was the first of the first three albums I bought. Brand Newbie's One For All was, was that in that first three. Mm -hmm. You know? It's funny because I, I, I the first three albums that I ever bought with my brother was One For All, Low In Theory, Trap Core Quest, and Leaders of the New School. So I had the I had the the fun stuff, Leaders of the New School. I had the musical elevation with Tribe, but I had that knowledge itself for Brand Newbie. Mm. And um and all of those affected me greatly, you know what I mean? Especially the brand Nubian was at the top of that. But um, when I was writing my column, I was saying I was God, I was this, I was that. Until I met the God, day son. Mm. You know? And like him, I was already writing at magazines, but still going to college. I was writing in Vibe and, and, and Vibe's website. And he was writing in Beatdown and others, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's how we met. And he was, and he was the one that told me that, and asked me if I'm God. And I, I said, I said it out of ego. I didn't know any of this shit. I was like, yeah, I'm God. You know? And he was telling me like, yo, you know, there's a place that teaches this. And I was like, what? Are you serious? Mm. You know. So I didn't know that people actually taught this, like actual teaching. Mm. And I took a whole year because I, again, I'm Puerto Rican, so. No matter how dark we are, um, and I come from a family where I'm, 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 I'm pretty. I am the darkest one in my family, so I come from a very light-skinned family, right? Mm. And being black is a deterrent. We're supposed to have some black, and that's just the way it is. But we're not black. Mm. So when I start seeking the knowledge itself, I'm thinking they will treat me the same way, and they will not allow me in because. The school was in ha is in Harlem, but it's on the side of Harlem I don't go to. You know what I mean? <laughs> when I go to Harlem, I'm on Spanish Harlem doing, you know, um, studying with the old timers, learning about salsa because that was also part of my roots. Remember, a, a Puerto Rican goes through a lot, and as far as denying their roots, uh, understand that salsa music, which is like, which is really the first urban genre of New York City, it isn't hip hop. It's the the first urban genre uh, genre made in New York City with salsa. Mm. Influenced by song and merging with jazz elements, right? Mm. To say a few of the, the major components, um, the Cuban song that is. Um, I was going out to Spanish Harlem to learn more about it. That was considered cocolo music, which is like a negative term, like it's basically nigger music. Mm. So even listening to salsa was something that was not really like you know we're not going to progress if we just mess with that stuff. You know what I mean? Right. And in the listener's mind, they'll think Mark Anthony and syrupy, you know, lovey-dovey lyrics. But if you go back to the 70s, that's not really what it was. It was hardcore jams. So it was totally different. And um, that was frowned upon. So I'm finding my, 
my culture, you know, the African roots, the the Arawak roots. But then I'm also like, wait, this knowledge itself, though, I, I'm not just a, a, a Boricua. Boricua is something deeper because it, if I'm Boricua because a Boricua means I'm an Afro-Arawak, that means it links me to all the other Africans. Mm. And I was one of... And I was one of the few to when I remember when Raquel Rivera, a great professor and, and author, she wrote New, New York Ricans from the Hip Hop Zone. I was the only Puerto Rican that was in there that was saying that we are part of this larger African black diaspora, you know. So it was logical that I would look for the knowledge once someone came to and said, hey, you God. And I was like, yes, because I was I was talking about the mystery God. But I was also saying I was God. I was, it was everywhere at one time. You know what I mean? Right. And when I finally went to the school in 1999, then I was like, okay, now all this stuff is making sense. But as a writer, God, I kind of got stuck. I got stuck. I was like, what do I write? You know what okay. I mean? All right, and it right, wasn't right. until, and again, hip hop inspired so much with their verses. It was really Jesus' verse in um, Breaker Breaker, the second the second verse on Breaker Breaker, you know. Um, I'm forgetting how it goes now, but he says something about um, the about the intrigue, you know the the it, it isn't about it isn't about the applause, but it is about the 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 completion, the ending of a sentence. You know what I mean? I gotta get that quote right, but um. That that I looked at that and I thought about that and I said, wait a minute, I just need right, you know what I mean? Right. And now that I know this stuff, now I really can do it, and uh, you know, and everything changed, you know, everything changed. But um, be- because knowledge, and I'm saying is because you know, you being from C. Medina, a lot most, if you're from New York, I think people are spoiled in New York. Mm. They're spoiled hearing this dialect. They're spoiled being able to say God and not nobody looking at them like idiots. But I come from the one Brooklyn neighborhood. That's why it's not the heart of Medina. I call it the the lung of Medina with with very little air. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> out in out in Sunset, the presence wasn't there. I was one of the first to get knowledge out there, and the the thing about it was. I didn't have like that ease where I could go back to a neighborhood and everybody was dealing with this, you know? Word. So even though the whole New York dealt with it, I was in a neighborhood where they don't know about it. And that, that also is what influenced the way I made my name because I made my name. It sounds Latino, but it's a created name with the alphabet and it means something. So it was the savior of the universe now shows and proves the equality of zigzag zig. And, you know, equality is one plus two plus three, one times two times three, all borns equality, all equals six. So it was a statement of what I intend to be, what I see myself. And if a brother heard it that wasn't so-called Latino, then he would say, okay, they're God too. And if a Latino heard it, then he said, I could be God too. Simply put it, the sun is Allah. Sunya is Allah. And um, mm. that's what that's what led me to um, to I think end ending up to teach there, you know, because throughout that journey, you know, God, before I got to the school, I spent a long time. I mean, 
I spent a long time reading books. I said, I read all the, I was reading every Afrocentric book. I was reading Chancellor Williams' Destruction of Black Civilization because they, you know, they some told me if you don't go prepared, they'll kick you out. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to get kicked out. <laughs> I'm going to get kicked out because I don't know anything. I actually, yo God, I actually had a righteous name already. I had memorized math, alphabet, and the one to 10 and up to the culture degree in the one to 36 when I got there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I thought like, yo, if I don't really get sharp, I'm going to get kicked out. Hey, and um, my enlightenment knowledge <laughs> me, right? He was the teacher there my first day. I went, I went May 1st and he told me the first next class is May 4th. So I went immediately. And it's because I come from a neighborhood that didn't have it, that I was so hungry. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when I went after my first class, knowledge told me if you could, and he pulled me aside. I thought it was a trouble. He pulled me aside after the end. I had everybody build and I thought it wasn't that good. So he pulled me aside and um, he said, listen, if you continue with this, you'll be teaching here too. And he was right. Mm, look at that. Because look at that. every single day, every single day in 1999, all the way to 2000, I, I was there every day. And I learned mainly with Knowledge Me. And when he wasn't there, I was with Savior Knowledge. Savior Knowledge lives in Seattle now. But he used to sell books, you know, all the black books outside. And I had never met a scholar like him that they read everything in the field that they say that they know of, you know? And I would spend, I spent a lot of time in him learning pedagogy, how to teach. And, um, and I spent some time with firstborn Prince, you know? And so those three really influenced me, you know? And then later infinite Al Jamar out of Medina and stuff, because when I would go to parliaments, I would spend time with him because he had his own publications and Dumar who would always have his, his, um, his builds, his national statement builds, you know, and Dumar. where he would pull them out immediately. Like, I don't know how he pulled it out. It came out like a magician. The, the, the national statement would pop out of his chest somewhere out of nowhere. You know, like a cartoon where it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> right. It, it right. would come out, <laughs> you know, he was like, cause he knew I would buy him. So he like, God, I got the new one. And he was like, I was like, where did that come from? You know, God, Dumar, I, I just want to add this on about Dumar real quick. God, please, Dumar, yes. Dumar, Dumar YD, um, I didn't like, I met the brother, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I met him, you know, I built with him, you know, you know, a few different times mm-hmm. was in, was in a cypher with him a few different times, you know, at the show and prove at the show and proves. Um, but you know, I, I, I didn't know him personally in that type of way, but from, from what I knew of the God, you know, from building with him in the yeah. Cypress and seeing him, you know, and, you know, being, being around him at, at, at Sean Proves and so forth, God, he, yeah. I really, I really appreciated the current that he brought because he was always coming from the perspective of it's time to, it's time to take this nation not away from it, but add on to it, to it, to it, just being perceived as a street level thing. You right. know what I mean? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, you know what I mean? And, like, you know, like, um, like, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah. when when I got to the school, I was working at a book publishing firm, so I always, almost always, would go there and 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 be dressed in a suit, and um, and I was never turned away. I was never. By the elders, I was never looked on as like, um, you know, oh, he's bougie, he's this, you know. And um, 
I would say that most of the backlash I ever have gotten has been from my own generation, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah. And, and, and part of it is because people, if you don't talk about, especially doing this thing in hip-hop, you see it there too. If you're not a decipherer talking about what you killed and, and how you went through this and how you went through that, then um, people don't really respect the oppression that you go through, you know? And um, I don't tout, I don't, I don't tout, I don't talk about the poverty I come from. You know what I mean? That's not my mm. first story. You know what I mean? My first story is my insights, you know, the things that mm. I've done. And, um, but when I went there, all the elders, they always embraced me. So it was very easy to keep going back because the elders embraced me, you know, everybody that's see a lot, everybody, all of those elders, why is Jamel, you know, all those, that's what, the reason why I even years later, when I came up with the, and started to say, remembered imperfection, it's because of those elders were in my mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, and, and um, when I started, when I spent so much time there, that's what prepped me to be able to teach. You know what I mean? Right. And it was not, it was not always welcomed. You know, when I started to teach at the school because I was 23 years old, and I still was considered kind of young, and and to a lot of to a lot of erroneously taught or as thinking there was always this subconscious error that the brown and especially the yellow seed was made during the grafting process Mm. so there was always and and uh, and some when it got brought out older gods now i mean older gods with reverence i mean just aged gods you know i mean aged you know what I mean? They actually thought, they actually believed that in the grafting process, when Yakub made devil, those brown and yellow seeds were made, and then they escaped. Like, they escaped. Like, they just escaped. <laughs> and it doesn't make any, you know, like, what kind of movie is this? It doesn't make any sense. It goes against all the other degrees. Right. Um, it makes no kind of sense. And it goes against Indians being here 16,000 years ago. You can't get exiled 16,000 years ago if you weren't there. You know what I mean? Right, right. So right. there's so much flaw in that in that perception, but when I started to teach there, all of these prejudices judgments were there, you know, like he's too young. He bought about this. And the the way of in a very rigid um African American mindset. And what I mean there a lot of other people came from different nations from different places, and you could see the rigidity in the teaching that, like, listen, you've got to speak to their experience. They're not backtracking from being African-American back to Egypt and back to Kemet and back to Nubia. They're retracing back to El Salvador. Or they're tracing back to India and then back to, you know, uh, Nubia and however far you want to go. You know their media history. And these are things that weren't let out, though. The the science of melanin being something that is unquantifiable and by the one organ of the skin is something that, like, the sciences that we were dealing with, they weren't really fleshed out for all the human families and how that applies. And all of those things became a concern when I, you know? And for a lot of people, like, in the beginning, my class was a writing a reading and writing class, you know? 
Mm. It's not a civilization class. It's a reading writing class. And I was like, okay. But everybody that came in there, whatever they asked is whatever I was going to answer. Right. Right. So I treat it, and I still treat it like a voluntary school that takes people voluntarily who want to learn, and we teach them what they need to know as opposed to what I want them to know. And mm. that's been, I'm not going to say a difference, but the way I teach is a lot different, you know? It is not imposing. It, it's important that the student gets to flesh out their ideas. In other words, the classroom is a place for the student to experiment with high explosives. Mm. You know, like a lot of times, right, especially at a law school in Mecca, a lot of older gods, a lot of, a lot of other gods will come in and they will might peek into my classroom and they'll see a student say something that is completely wrong. And instead, I'm fleshing it out instead of cutting him off and telling him he's wrong. But it's almost mm. like it's almost like if we're doctors, right? If we're doing our doctor, right? And we re repolarize that 28 degree. You got to hear the patient speak about all of his symptoms first. You mm. have to hear them say, I've done this, I did this, and say, ah, that's where you got this injury. That's where, this is where, this is the part of the diet where you're steering away. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, a lot of people that go to the doctor and they'll start telling them the good things that they do. And they'll be like, Doc, I don't know what's wrong with me. I eat vegetables and stuff. You know, I eat this. <laughs> and then you say, yo, but what else do you do? Well, you know, I go out. You know, I go out every Saturday and I get, you know, I get fucked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that, it's that, that one day of getting so messed up, that could ruin both. You know what I'm mm. saying? But mm. if we didn't flesh it out, that comes once a week. And that's not really what he's thinking. Right. He's not thinking about that. He's thinking that daily I'm eating pretty good. I'm working out. So, like, the student needs to flesh out their ideas. They don't, they don't need to hear from me and give them sciences and proof. They need to hear how it relates to them. And then they need to go and they need to prove it to themselves with the research I've given and using those tools. If you're a real student of mine, you're doing more work at home than you're doing with me. Mm. You know, just the, like I build, you get a battery in your back and then it fizzles out and you have to come back. It's not the anything. And, you know, like at the time I got knowledge as well, because it's such a tradition among the gods, the martial arts, a lot of the gods of my peer group, we were doing, they were doing the martial arts and they brought me into that. And we learned from Seagung Bobby Whitaker and he wasn't, wasn't the he was so in tune with what we was doing. And he, was, he wasn't from Asia. He's not Chinese. He was African-American. African-American. Yeah. He was on a street. Too, and he understood everything we was going from. And he was totally unorthodox. So we were learning Kung Fu. And we were also learning this knowledge. So we knew that the way that, way that we learn things always has to be so individualized for the for the student you know mm. for them you know and um and um over the years that's the way the class has been modeled that's the way it, it's worked and um i care most about god I really get into the goal like you know like when you have a class goal like a curriculum goal 
because I give out a curriculum um, and all of that. The main goal, and it's not listening to curriculum, it's something I'll tell them, is to draw out their talents, to draw out their gifts, to draw out their abilities. And if that's not done, then it's then the class has been kind of a failure. Mm. You know? And so that classroom has to be experimented with high explosives. You know, where they because if you don't try it there and explode and have things explode in your face, you'll try it outside. And you'll hurt somebody with that information that's incorrectly given. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And um, because really, God, like when we get knowledge of self, right, if we said that every single black man is God, then that means that when we go outside, the reality is not to be worshipped. The reality is that we are in service of everything. Everything outside is either us. You know, in other words, like if I see you, that's me. If I see that black man, that's really me. He just doesn't know. Right? So everything is either God or it's creation. So mm. when I go outside, everything is my responsibility. Everything's my handiwork. Everything I had some type of part in it. And so everything is important to me in that level. And so you need a place where you could practice. You know what I mean? Got you. God, let me ask you this. What would you say... Um, because I think that a lot of people, not I think, I know I know for a fact that a lot of people on the outside looking in, and you know, a lot of a lot of 85s, they might be looking at it and listening to us talking like this and all these different things, and they're gonna ask, you know, what makes you know, so what are y'all atheists? You know what I mean? You know, are you, you atheists? You know, is, is it is it is it that you don't believe in God? I mean, is it? You know, and I think mm -hmm. that, you know, those questions can lead certain brothers, you know, based on their level of understanding or based mm -hmm. on just how they see it, you know what I mean? Or just based on how they yeah. see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can lead them into, you know, a different type of rabbit hole, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, so, 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 you know, if somebody asks you, you know, what would you say the difference is between, between, between us and what we teach versus atheism or yeah. would you say would you say that would you say that it's the same me personally i, I think that there that there are there are similarities um there are also similarities between you know what we teach and you know the humanist mm. movement um you know there are similarities um but there are some things different too so how would you how would you build on well let me let me um intersperse it with the, the 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 title of this you know podcast which is dope the kill religion right and that's something that yeah. a lot of the father said you know but right this idea of of religion in the westernized mindset is the cutting off of ideas and the exploration of ideas right so mm -hmm. to me i you know, when I build with people, I say, look, listen, before you get knowledge itself, there's one prerequisite in this. The prerequisite is that there is no mysterious being, energy, or force that causes your reality. And when we do a religion, I always say that it's not a it's it's um it's not a wall. So like, you know, I quote dealing with religion, the glass ceiling. 
because um, the racism is usually called the glass ceiling, but racism is a is pretty much a wall, you know. Every 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 place I've been though and dealt with racism, it's pretty evident. It's something I bang into all the time, mm. so I consider it a wall. But religion is really that glass ceiling though, because it's when people cannot complete a certain task. It's when people cannot fulfill something. Because I always call born, the born degree, I always say it's elevated fulfillment. You know, a, a higher idea that knowledge has gone through a process and it has been what? It has been elevated, it has elevated itself to a f- level of fulfillment. When people cannot fulfill an idea, especially, then what happens is they go, look, I did everything I could, no, it's up to God. So the glass ceiling is there. And what makes religion what makes religion work is that you stop asking questions. We are going mm. to make this religion and say everything is this, this is the God, these are the sons, the Holy Ghost, this is the parameters, this is what you do, this is how you pray, this is how you ask questions, this is how it functions in daily life for every instant. Because some religions are really detailed, you know, and that would be like a lot of forms of Islam are extremely detailed, right? Right. Right. So it's the lack of question. So when someone says that they're atheists, I find that to be a form of religion as well. Because you have stopped asking the question. You have said that a question is so illogical to be posed or so impossible to answer that the question does not exist. Right, right, right. So I find it now, and I'll explain it. I'll explain that with the example of the most probably I think the most important people in the Western world that advocate atheism. And that is the scientists, mainly the cosmologists, right? Cosmology, the study of the origins of the universe. Yeah. You know, mostly the cosmologists, like, you know, the Richard Dawkins and all of them, they're extremely racist. Extremely Mm. racist. Um, What's his name? I forget his name already, but he also was one of that crew there. Oh, Lawrence Krauss. He wrote um, The Universe from Nothing. Right. The um, and, and you know, it's funny. He calls it the universal nothing. It's a very good book. People should read it. But when you say nothing, that's not a value. That's a perception of a value. You know, mm. and that's why the equality degree in the one of 36, he likes the devil because the devil gives him nothing. It's so dope. It's so incredibly written because the nothing is a value that we've placed on what they give us, you know, Right. For those with knowledge of self, they know that it's really valueless, but we think it's something. So that means nothing is something that is based on value uh, given. It's not a real computation. But when you look at cosmologists, right, that study the origins of the universe, they have to study two things. They have to study, um, you know, astronomy. They have to study the stars. They have to study the origins of the planets and all these things, the way they form. There's a lot of chemistry involved. But they also have to study quantum physics. Because when they study the small, they have to study the tiniest, tiniest subatomic particles. Because they themselves say that where everything came from a speck of dust. So when they study the subatomic, what happens is that the classical physics world doesn't work like the quantum physics world. Which means that matter and energy are no longer... Right? They have things what they call wavicles because waves and particles are no longer like discernible. 
And everything that gets observed is affected by the uh, observer once he observes, right? And every time it gets to a point, though, we say, wait a minute. In that speck of dust in the beginning of the universe, there had to be, there was something that was so tiny, so we have to study quantum mechanics for it. But the reality of quantum mechanics says that when they're that small, there were actually particles and waves, right? Energy and matter that was fluid together. And it's only affected by the observer. The only thing that an observer could affect things by is by his thought. You see? Mm. And the motion of his thought, which ends up being transferred by light, because light is actually a lot more complex than people think and is actually a quantum reality, right? So when we look at all of that, what happens? Well, the the westernized scholar is in a conundrum, though, right? He's saying that all of these computations can help us figure out things. So we're going to teach it that way. And we're going to learn how to make all these phones that we're using and all this advanced technology. But we're not going to go into the science of how its origins and how it may work and apply to human um, consciousness or anything like that. So they go, well, you know what? When we study this all, the universe is so perfect. You know, because that's what they say. The universe is so right and exact mathematically that any slight deviation and none of us would exist. The earth would be too far from the sun or too close. We'd all die. Everything is perfect mathematically to the precise degree. Right. So then they say, listen, all of this is so precise that it just cannot be done by some um, God that delegated it. See? Because they never took the time to say, wait a minute, that God can't be outside of this, that God is inside the creation. He made himself, and then he made the reality around him. And as he developed, he constantly, see, creator and creation is always intertwined. Wherever creator is, he's already making the cipher of his own existence, because he exists. Because he exists, he always makes the cipher of his own existence. You see? So they always intertwine. So I am creator. A creator is not creator if he's not creating. So once his mind thinks, then a creation exists. And so he's always making creation. It just so happens that at the point that we're at now, though, it just looks like these creations that we exist in are a lot bigger than us. But see, every home is bigger than the than its own than its um than its homeowner. You know, we wouldn't make a home that was smaller than us. And to make it bigger than us, right? Indeed, God. Let, let me ask you something. So let, let, let me build with you on that. When you saying when you saying creation, because whenever whenever I think of creation, <clears throat> I think of bringing something from nothing, right? But we know that <clears throat> we know that, like even 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 if you're dealing even if you're dealing with the math, we don't start with zero. It starts with one. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So it starts with one. So, you know, and then, you know, the cipher is just adding on. This is just this is just get, getting into a whole nother a whole nother, you know, building upon. But you don't start from zero. You start from one because you can't extract something from nothing. Right. Right. So when so when when you say when you say creation, are you speaking from that perspective or are you speaking on building upon something that was already there? Cause that's, cause that's, that's, that's how I see it. Also, our lessons teach there's no beginning nor ending. You know what I'm saying? So something's always been 
you know, you know that, you know, this, this, this particular thing that was speaking on, you know what I mean? has always been in existence in one form or another. And it's just, well, here, here's, here's a, here's one limitation in mathematics. If I could be blasphemous for a moment though, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when we learn Supreme mathematics, so we're learning a linear form of the law and order of creation. That's what that is. It's also a teaching tool, right? So that means mm-hmm. that when we talk about it, we can only count linear. But see, this reality is not linear. It doesn't go, it doesn't go robotically from one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Basically, it's really this what is and what allows everything to always be. In other words, we are, and because we are, we always will be. So that means that the reality is just like it's binary code. It's always one will always be. And because of that, zero will always exist as well. You see? The, the, what is and the form to always continue to be will always continue. Because once the creator thinks, then creation exists. Once creator is here, he has already made creation himself. See? So that means that in the reality of it, the one and zero are the degrees. And everything in between, though, is just a detail. For example... Seven is God. But God doesn't become God, though, once he hits seven. He always was. So it's really more of a reaffirmation of himself. That this process will always continue and continue and continue. So the degrees, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero, are distinct points that never really are alone. Mm. They're just details. They're specific cutoffs that we've made awkwardly and in this case i'll say awkwardly to stop and look what how it works you see but this machine this reality that we are continues it always continues it never stops it never has a cutoff you see so when i say the creator himself the fact that we are the fact that we create ourselves already is the creation you see and so when we continue to create, that continues the creation. And where do we create? We create in our own mind. And that mind itself is the creation itself. See? So for some, though, what is, what is becomes both. If we are self-created, that means that the, the creator creates himself. That means his own mind is his own creation as well. And that means that both of them are kind of merged together in concept. If we're talking about this as a theory, as a philosophical concept, then the definitions would skew and merge together. If, if we, we created ourselves in the mind, in thought, then that means that we are ourselves our own creation. Mm. Yeah, created where, ourselves. Okay. And, and where, is, where is the mind? Or where does the mind exist? And that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing, God. Like when we talk about this form that we're in now, solids, liquids, and gases, this is all the development. You see? Mm-hmm. This is all mm-hmm. the development. And that's why the, the science of studying ourselves is still, to me, extremely young. It's almost in the infant stage. Mm. Because we're just, we're, just em- we're just embracing. And that's why I brought up the cosmologists and all that and the Western science saying it's atheists. Because... We can't find out how this all developed unless we get to the questions. 
And when we say that we're atheists, what we're saying is that, listen, this question is impossible to answer, so we will not ask it. See? Right. right and a lot right. of, one of the degrees, one of the degrees in 120 that provokes that also, that supports that, that not asking questions actually, right? Because remember, you know, what people don't get those that the 120 lessons, our lessons, we gain understanding out of them. But you look at them, and I always tell students, if you look at them like a, a fact sheet, you're going to stumble. This is really supreme wisdom from them. So, like, even in the one, even in 120, which is really from the supreme wisdom, if you look at that now a cipher degree in the, uh, uh, in the one to 40, who is that mystery God? It's telling you to stop asking questions. Mm. See? Now, me. I didn't tell you to, to look for a mystery God forever and ever. I don't want you to spend time searching for, for a mystery God that doesn't exist. But we're also supposed to internalize that question, not throw it away, but internalize the question properly. We're supposed to search deeper and deeper into ourselves and into our consciousness about what God is and how that plays out. So when we study these sciences like cosmology, when we study these sciences like quantum mechanics and other sciences, the biochemistry, right? We're supposed to be studying these sciences as they relate to us and finding out the knowledge of ourselves much deeper. Mm. Read it like a, a NOI Muslim, you might be like, listen, Elijah told me who God is, and I'm in the bloodline of it, so that's good enough. I'm a Muslim now, submit to the will of Allah, but I'm of the family of God, but I'm not that yet. I don't know when I'm going to be that yet. I'm Muslim now. I will wait. Right. I will wait. There's no, <laughs> no search for that mystery God. He's right here. He was here. He's far. He might come back. I don't know because if you're of the, if they're of the, he'll come back. He's coming back in a ship. He's not coming back. But yeah, yeah, I'm gonna leave yeah, it right yeah. there, Maybe. <laughs> right? right. But for plays. us, so we have to internalize the question. And so atheism is a block. It's to me, it's another religion. It's a block. It's another mm. glass ceiling. Imagine a scientist who says he's not gonna ask another question. The most, the most important, the most important thing for a student is the question. The worst thing that can happen to a student with the knowledge itself is that they become a good explainer. You know, mm -hmm. they become a good explainer. They're like, like, yo, you know why the black man is God because of this, that. and then that's where they get the robotic uh, 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 lessons. You know, and it sets up a tradition of failure, a tradition mm, okay, of failure. Gotcha. Okay, God, let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this then. So are you saying then that so if somebody just asks you dead out, who is God? What do you say? <clears throat> Simply put, though, I say the original man. The original okay. man instigating all life, right? And that's the that's God. That's God. Right? So you so 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 you you you're taking it, you're taking it just to a very just plain, simple. A simple, simple explanation. It has to, God, because there is there is nothing else. Once we say that, then it gets into a deeper answer that we can go into. You know what I mean? But if somebody mm -hmm. says, who is God? The original man's mind instigating all things that in existence. You see? Mm -hmm. And so, well, what is, what is creator? What is creation? You know, I see the black woman as creation. I see the black man as creator. It's the only relationship that exists to me. Everything else is something mm. made or grown from the beginning, right? Mm. And then, and then also too, but then also too, even with this understanding of 
of who who is God and what what God is. This is also a this is also a body of knowledge that is continuing to grow. Right. That's Absolutely. that's that's like what you were just building on about saying how this whole sign, this whole idea of studying ourselves and understanding who we are is in its infancy. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And theoretically you know, like that, it would always be in its interest. Right, right, right. And exact. You know, one of the things <laughs> that uh, that I'm that I was taught that I'm sure you was taught or maybe maybe you might not have been taught, but I know you heard it because this is a common thing among, amongst sure. our nation. As they say mm-hmm. knowledge is infinite. Knowledge is um, what? You know, meaning that it's something always building, building upon itself. It's always growing. You but he said knowledge is happening. Something else no. to learn, always something else to study. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a, uh, it's a lifelong journey, like like training in the martial arts, because I'm a martial artist mm-hmm. too. Indeed, that's peace, God. Definitely, yeah. definitely. But, um, peace, God. You hear me? I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely yeah. see that. I definitely see that. You know. I think that. Um, I think that when we teach it, when we teach, we're trying to say something that allows them to philosophically wander into things, scientifically wander into things, but they're also it's a, it has to be combined with a consistent grounding in this current reality. Mm. You know, so sometimes teaching them the God in the in the current reality is to show them how influential and how how influential they are as the one. That none of the society really exists without their input, you know? Mm. It doesn't exist at all. You know, most of the inventions that are around us that are crucial is really created by the original man. Mm. So, you know, when we do these kind of things and we look around, like, you know, everything from toilets to the spark plug to light bulbs, like, you know, all these little things, you know, um, um, the you know, the Intel chip, you know, everything that, you know, all of these things that we use that are crucial to society, you know, the yeah. concepts of the sciences, all of these things. So it, it, it goes back and it goes forth. It goes back into that more difficult abstract nature, but it has to go back into regular daily life as well, you know. And it depends on the student. You know, when I, if I teach a student, I spend, I spend time learning about who they are and their journey to this. You know, I just don't immediately dive into this. Every single class, though, is custom made. You know what I mean? Mm. It's always based on the individuals there. So when a student, then they always go, as soon as I didn't make the class, so what did I miss? And I said, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> you missed everything, but you didn't miss anything, you know? Because you would have gotten everything if you were there that you needed to, that willingly, if I was doing it correctly, you, you needed to learn. But you didn't. You weren't there, so you didn't need anything, I guess. You know what I mean? That's how I put it together, you know? So it, it, it's, um, it, it has to be very organic like that. It has to be very feeling of the student and stuff, you know? But teaching Indeed. about God is also about teaching away from perceptions, you know? Obviously, people have such a perception about God. And then people will give it either abstract symbols, God is love, and things like that. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's corny, you know? I'm not loving things all the time, you know what I mean? Right, right. You know, right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not hating things all the time. I'm not. Those are emotions. It's got nothing to do with anything. You know. Right. Indeed. 
Indeed. All right, guys. So this, this, this is what I want to do now. We're, we're going to wrap this up shortly. Um, so what I want to what I want to hit you with as we close out is uh, just just a couple a couple rapid fire questions, and okay. then we'll end, and and then then we'll end with um, you know you you giving the people out there where they can find you some of the other things that you that that, that you have going on out there. Sure. Um, and how, how, how they can connect with you. And also, too, I, I also would like you to mention, um, you know, what your, what your Earth is doing, because I know your Earth is out there building on something as well. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so we'll, 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 we'll end with that. So uh, first, first rapid fire, um, based on what we're dealing with, uh, Pac, you know, the show is called Kill Religion. Give me three books. <clears throat> Give me three books, you know, that you would recommend for people to go out there and and do the knowledge to. <laughs> oh man. Um I well I would I would preface this. I would say that um books are best taken in, in massive quantity. You know what I mean? You'll read so much error that it's good to have them in mass quantity. But the first book that I that out of of the three I would definitely say Savior Knowledge always taught me to give the student immediately as a man thinking by James yeah. Allen. Yes. And the, re- the reason he gave that was because it was the easiest way to see that a man's thoughts and ideas shape every single thing. Absolutely. And, and if the listener's reading this and he reads that book right after he gets off the show, then he's going to see a lot of the points that I was making about the mind creating itself, how that actually has a visual. And of course, though, because, you know, so, oh, that's a white guy that wrote that. Um, the first, the only quote in As a Man Thinketh is actually from the Dhammapada. Dhamma meaning righteous and pada meaning path. But just like just like most European things, he doesn't give his source material. You know, he just quotes <laughs> it, <laughs> right? So the reason I give as a man thinketh and say as a man thinketh is because Dhammapada is in book of aphorisms, sayings of understanding written beautifully. So they are hard for a, a, a beginning reader to comprehend. It's hard to, you know what's funny? And that's the thing that goes with art, God. It's hard to comprehend insight, knowledge, understanding, right? Which is information, insight, and beauty all in one package. It's very hard for people to capture that. And that's why we have such bad music and that's why we have such bad arts. So as a man thinketh is a a more modern version of the Dhammapada. And so it's easier to grasp. So I would start with that book. Um, I would say another another book. It's really hard to pick those books without being self-promoting. But um, to what I've what I've worked on. But I think if someone was interested in dealing with this knowledge, the easiest book I would give them would actually be Starmel's The Righteous Way. Ah, right? now that's one I haven't got to okay. yet. I gotta pick my brother's book. The reason I say that is because. Knowledge itself is a good one too. Those both books I edited both of them, and the Starmel's book is written directly for that purpose. Mm. You know, whereas the Knowledge itself anthology will give you a lot of ideas, and some of them conflict with each other. So, right. for right. the most basic, like this is what we're about. This is it, and not telling you you like you're not going to read the book and go, "I'm God, I did it, I read the book." You're going to go, you have to go to the school. And he's telling you to do that. Like this is a, a, an oral history and an oral, an oral education. You cannot learn it 
from books only. You know what I mean? In fact, you need to have it to, to have a face-to-face, you know? But, um, you know, I would say a, a third book, um, it's hard for me to pick a third book because I can't pick any – if I was pick a third book, I would deliberately leave out the sciences because there's too many, but I would leave the history. And if I had to pick a third book, it's a heavy book, but I would like you to have it in your collection. So I would pick Destruction by Chancellor Williams. The reason I say that, though, is because most people will find it hard to get through. But once you read that, that book connects to the horrors that all of us original people, all indigenous people are dealing with. The destruction of Africa and, and the root of civilization is a springboard to everything else that you need to know. Hmm. And it's, it's actually absolutely mandatory because you're this Westernized society that we are suffering through is based on Egyptian society, which is not our, it, it, it is not our deepest root. It's their deepest root. Hmm. So because it's based on Egypt, it is a destruction and a mutation of the Egyptian mystery school system, which I say, I propose was an, it was a, was almost like an ancient intranet to try to absorb that reabsorb all the different things original people have learned while they have exiled left and been separated from each other. But mm-hmm. once Europeans, the Greeks came, it led to the downfall, not because of the Greeks really, but because of everyone else after the Greeks, the Romans and actually the Greeks too. But after that first generation of the Greeks, then uh, the Aristotles, the, the Plato's, the destructors. So, because we live in a negative reality, I would pick Destruction of Black Civilization. Even if it's a hell of a book to read, p- keep it in the in the bookshelf. You always got to have one that is a pain in the ass. You need right. a goal in your bookshelf. You know, like you need to have some in your bookshelf that like, I'm not ready for that. It's got to stay there for a little bit longer. You know, mm. most people's bookshelves, they have books they won't get to because they're too long and they're lazy. Right. But they're not really that difficult to read. But you need something that challenges you, that makes you learn other things before you get to that one, you know? Um, and I always say that bookshelves have three things. The books you're reading, the books for the babies, and the books for that you're not even ready for. Those three. Then your bookshelf is nice and diverse, you know? Challenges you, keeps you ready for everybody, and also keeps you reading daily, you know? But mm. those, are, those would be my three books. Those would be okay, my three books, okay. You know? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. How we how how we doing on time, Lord? I, I know you know you got. Other no, things. it's good. Yeah, no, no, I'm good, guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. All right, okay. All right. So, so look, my my next question, because you just asked, this is actually going outside my rapid fire, but we just talking about books, and something popped into my mind. Sure. I saw I saw a clip that you had on YouTube, and you was talking about how you strive to read, what is it? Uh, basically, a book for every week of the year. I read fifty two books. Yeah, and I I don't strive though. I I do complete it though. But um, you do that, okay? So uh, <laughs> I I have, I have read um fifty two books a year since two thousand four. God, that's 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 great. Now that that explains that explain that's that that kind of explains how your literary sword stays so sharp. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of words I don't get to use though. So yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> How how do you accomplish that, God? Because I know that right. you are living, you are living a life 
that is, you know, very similar to most of us. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're a father. Sure, yeah, I have, I'm a father. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have two children. I have an earth. Yeah. You, know, um, you got jobs, you got businesses, you know, you got all these different things. You're, you're, you're giving of your time, you know, to the school, you know, you got your side hustles. I, I know, I know you got your main thing. That's, that's allowing, you know, your family to eat. So like, how are you, how are you doing the, that? Yeah, how, are you, the, how are you getting those books? The first thing, uh, right, is that I read faster. Mm. And I, I read at all times though. And most of the time though, the only music I cannot read with is hip hop because they're talking yeah. to me. So yes. yes, the reason I can write about all this hip hop and still read all these books is because um, when I, I've listened to so much hip hop, I, I understand a record faster. I, I can compartmentalize an, an album very quickly. So I can hear drums, samples, I can separate things very quickly. And I'm very good at catching lyrics very quickly. That allows me to do all that work much quicker than people think. Um, the reason a, a writing will take a long time in the hip hop work is because I like to really write something real quality and I like to create something. But reading God, like especially like I've my classroom for the last at least five years, I've completely digitized it. So when a student comes to my classroom, they have a curriculum, they have um, plus lessons that I've written, they have and they also have a library of over a thousand books that they can tap into through this digital that I offer them, right? So one of the things that keeps me reading all the time is that I keep an immense, I, I keep as much as possible digital. So I'm always with my phone and I'm always reading. I'm usually not scrolling the social media. I'm usually reading a book. And when then when I read the books, what I do is I separate all the books between their length. So I go into longer books, I go into longer books and shorter books and I separate them all. Right. And the shorter books, so I read immediately. Um, and some of them are, I make sure that they're profound. They're not just like kids books. I'm not reading children's book, you know, but um, at the same time, the longer books, I deal with them with different um goals set in mind or a certain amount of pages here. If there's a I'll read five pages a day. You know what I mean? And I have them all broken down. The easier books that are faster reads, even if they're longer, then I just tackle them. And I, I read a lot of books based on subject and the field that I'm in. So if I can't read that well, I'll read a book about maybe a, a, a good sports biography or, or I'll read a novel. You know? And then if not, then I'll go back. When I need something heavier, I'll go back to the sciences immediately, you know? So it's always shifting between subject, between ideas, between concepts, and um, <clears throat> and just will. I will it. You know what I mean? Mm. I will it. You know, I look at how many books I'm reading. Um, I say, okay, it's the 20th week, and I've read, like, 19 books. Okay, let me read a shorter one now just to keep up. Or I say the hell with it, though. Let's keep on with these larger books, you know? And sometimes I'll complete four larger books all in one week because I've been reading them piecemeal, you know? And it just so works out that way, you know? And like I said in the video, you know, that December, you, you got, you know, leave me alone, you know? <laughs> <laughs> leave me alone because I will not be, I won't be talking to people that much. Like, I'll be reading intensely, you know what I mean? I'll be reading 
Um, you know, and um, it, you got to do less TV. You got to do less sports. You have to do all that. Like, you know, right. Um, you know, I watch basketball, but most of a basketball game I'll be reading. I love baseball because I could just read through the whole game. You know, yeah, baseball is so peaceful, right? <laughs> yeah, it's peaceful. It's like it's a place to read. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I do a lot of reading with the game on and I'm a Mets fan. So, of course, though, why would I watch it? You know what I mean? Right. Right. All they do is lose, so <laughs> I'm just going to – at least I say, look, the Mets lost again, but I read a book, you know what I mean? Right. So everything everything right. saves itself. And you know what? I work – everything I'm working at, I work extremely as hard and efficient as I can because I never want my children – I never want my children to be an excuse that I didn't do certain things. Mm. You know what I mean? So I could be reading and really want to read this book, but, you know, I got a four-year-old, so she's going to want to play all the time. I'm going to mm. go play. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, and then when she beats me up and everything like that, then I, she'll let me go read, you know? Right, but, right. Um, but it's the, way it, it's the way it has to be. There has to be things that occupy our time. We cannot know all these st- sports statistics and then not be able to read, you know? Mm. Even with sports, when I talk intelligently about sports, because I've read a lot of sports books, you know what I mean? Because mm. even when when my when my mind is working slower, I read I read books. You know, I've read all the Jordan biographies. Yeah, I know he's the coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Aside from watching, you know, I read all these books about ball players. I like, you know, I read uh, you know books about different things. You know, the music books. You know, music biographies. I love music biographies. So it ranges from the frivolous to the most intense. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, and it ranges from reading things for the beauty of the word to just the information of the word, you know? So right. it's, it's a full range of things, you know? Mm, indeed. Okay. Now let's, let's switch comments real quick. Um, top five MCs of today. So I'm so going to, yeah. Uh, the, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold oh on. Hold on. You said today. <laughs> Hold on, guy. So when I'm speaking on that, I I, I don't I don't want to hear the classics that we hear. You know, Nas. The classics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, I I, I, I don't want to hear the Nas, the Scarfaces, and that type of thing. You know, I'm talking about you know newer MCs. So we could say you know oh, like decade, yeah yeah you know like 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 basically you know me and you are in agreement. You know the Invisible Renaissance around yeah, the Invisible 20, Renaissance. Around, yeah. Around, Let around me tell you the problem with that. For me, the problem with that question, and it's something I've done, most, the majority of, of almost all of the MCs I talk about, I know them. You know what I mean? Ah, okay. So I have a difficulty and a, a journalistic duty to not really say he's the best, he's this, he's that. This invisible renaissance is almost over. It's This decade is almost over. So sometimes what I do is I call them the essential MCs, and that's the key into what I'm saying. And okay. I'm going to leave out somebody that I think. But um, and, and I'm not. I'm gonna leave out people that I think have made essential work this decade. So that would include, for example, like a Thurston Howell. It would even exclude who I think is the star of this decade, Sean Price. Right. You know? Right. Um, definitely remember the affection. That brother is as great a person as people say. That you know. That's all I'm gonna say with that. You know. Mm. I, you know, I, I couldn't interview him. Because he wanted me to write about other people instead. 
<laughs> just put that in perspective there, you know? With the way guys act and they want to all the all the limelight, just think yeah. about that, you know? Yeah. But um, I'm going to leave out Sean Price. I won't, if you're saying artists that only started this decade, I don't know if I have like five, but ones that I personally always end up going back to. First off, I have to start with Ka. I, ooh, Ka. Ka to me has, he's good. He has the most classics albums to me where I find essential um, progressive works of this decade. You know what I mean? God, God. Ka, Ka is like the only brother I can think of nowadays where I, I feel like I want his physical CD, God. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know and what I if mean? you ever look at my timeline, he's one of the few people I go meet and get his CD, you know? Yeah, God. Just like, because that's the tradition and we get to kick it like that. And man, he, he, you know, man, just, just a great thinker. He's somebody that I actually like. I, I, I Like, for example, the last album, Honor Killed the Samurai. Yeah. After all those other great albums, I was blown away that I could read along with his lyrics and still be blown away that he still God. writes at this level, you know? God, like he, man, Kai, like, yo, I, I don't like, I, I don't think. I don't think people are really people are not really understanding how ill Kai is. Like he's one no, of those and, and they wouldn't though because our music veered away. And this is something that I didn't mention before, but one of the reasons we have this thing here is because the underground itself became a niche market for whites that want better music. Woo. So what happens is is that whites started to study underground music and in general they demanded a product that was about battling and was about boom bap beats that were of a form that they could relate to like that's just it so what happens you get a very diluted sense you know Mm. and um you know a lot of a lot of brothers from the streets that we're from will actually think about not going that deep into things especially spirituality this knowledge itself even though they know about it because they also got those white guys that are listening. Right. You know? And I, I think that's a that's a big issue. That's a man, you know, big issue. But yeah. let me I got Ka. This, the rest is out of order. Okay. But if I, I could to me, they're not top. I say essential MCs. Okay. You go back into this time era, you need to listen to something from them. Um, and I'm gonna skip out people like Rock Marciano too, because he's from earlier. So right. I'm not gonna put him. But um I would say Napoleon the legend. Mm. I have to say him though. I think he's now he's coming to a diversity and you know from an insider that knows the reason you don't hear all this classic material too is that some these great producers out there are actually ear ear blind. Cause I don't know why legends aren't saying let's record Napoleon the legend. Went man, yo. The guy has all the tools. Absolutely. Um, it's one of the most sincere MCs I've ever heard on the mic. Sure, indeed. You know? indeed. I would say also, I would say also Spit Gems. Ooh. I think Spit Gems, um, he's an album maker. You know, when people mm. make an album, you know, different songs, different ideas, um, that you you know that he's writing a verse and, and scribbling out a word for a better one. You know what I mean? An I actual really, writer, you know what I mean? I and really, his aggression, really, his militancy, really his ruggedness. Too. I really love his man, too, F.U. I really love his man, F.U., too. Yeah. 
Yeah, FU is dope too. FU is dope too. I think that, and I, I said it to I said it to both of them. I think that their click, Broken Home, is the greatest click that has never made a a, do, a, a group album that I, I could think of. You know, but I got those three guys right, mm-hmm. and it, it's funny because I I'll leave out other guys in that Broken Home click to just let Spit Gems represent him. But I would say four, and I'm saying four because I find him his voice. His lyricism, I'll have to say four, is from the UK. My brother Cyrus Malachi. Mm. I just think Cyrus Malachi's lyricism is, is so not sought after. You know, most people won't listen to a British MC because they go, it's the accent. But um, I think he overcomes that because his voice is so baritone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the beats, all of Triple Darkness, that whole crew, Raven Dead and Tesla's Ghost, everybody, they're incredible. So... Mm. And my personal favorite is is Cyrus because of the albums he's come out the Black Athena, mm. the the dystopian dialect, uh, incredible stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, number five is where you have me in a damn quandary here. You know, <laughs> um, it's hard to say. You know, because there's a lot of people that would fit into five. You know, there's other MCs that are really from other eras that are dominating in this era, like the being. Kirsten Howe third, um, but I, I think this. I think this music. I think this music needs the the, the female voice, mm-hmm. you know. And if this whole decade goes by without an essential record from a female listed or represented, then you know this is what starts all that gay shit. This is what starts all that trans real. What I call trans real. They'll flip flop to anything, but they're not really thinking. Because they don't care about the black woman anymore. Mm. So if I had to go back, like I said, it's essential MCs to go back and you have to listen to at least one of these to get a perspective. I'm gonna put Marquis in that. You know what I mean? Marquee. Because I Marquis, she used to she's part of the digging in the crates crew god. Okay. And she okay. never came if you listen to Lord Finesse's ninety-six uh, EP, I forgot the name of that EP, but she's on it. She never had a debut album, Life, you know, Life Turns, all these kind of things. So her official debut was this decade. So if I had to say an essential MC, they like to, if you were going back to check, I would definitely say Marquee because you need to know what females thought about this whole reality. So I would definitely put Marquee in that. Just to say essential MCs, what I essentially would go to, what would give a diversity of the reality of the best that I've heard. I definitely would go there. But there's a lot of guys left out. Because if we go into artists that make music, the MC list leaves out guys I think are burgeoning but have essential work. Like, as an MC, he's still rising. But as an album maker, I think Lord Josiah is on, on top. The, the, the album, the solo albums he makes are, are next level, you know? Yo, Lord Josiah alone. Yeah, like, you can't Becca. buy his album without getting the instrumental. I mean, it's just... He's one of the Yo. best beat makers of this decade, you know? Man, I don't know why. And, and and the thing is, is that, man, I was just thinking about, like, you got a lot of ill MCs out of, out of Detroit. And, oh, yeah, yeah. man, like, could you imagine, could you imagine a Lord Josiah and Elzai record? Oh, that would be, oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, it's funny you said that, but Elzai's from earlier, but because his solo career is really, like, a lot of it is this decade. He's one of those MCs that yeah. kind of get left out on my list. But everything it's, it's he like, releases like is... He, 
it's like mm. it's like it's like those eyes starting back up again. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of MCs like that where they're like their career now is greater than what it was before. And that's why right. I mentioned like Don Pacino, Thurston Howe the Third. I put Elzai in there too. Um, a lot of other guys, you know. And there's survivors, what I call dark ages survivors, like Tragedy Gaddafi, um, people that came out in the dark ages, like Bronze Nazareth. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, they're mind blowing to me. You know. Yeah. Yeah, Bronze. So I, I wouldn't put them in the list because you said of this decade they just came out this decade. Right. So right, 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 right. But um, and I know I left out somebody, but. If I had to just go off the top of the head, I would pick those guys. You know? That's lovely. Because that, we that, talk that. about the whole decade, and these guys have come up with stuff that has been next level. But you got a lot of other people like Jazz of York. You got the whole Bankai fam with Skanks and all those brothers. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a lot of dirty, grimy hip hop. You know. Ooh, and also too, and also too, I just just it, it just released. So you might have missed it, but you probably didn't, knowing, knowing you, how you get down. You know that uh, Starvin' B and Stu Bangers just released Oh, my goodness. So how, well, you know, if he listens to this, though, the offense that I put on him, though, not mentioning him, you know? <laughs> I think if I went, if I had to say somebody, right, you say, go back into the 2010s and pick an MC that, like the 90s, was at the peak of all technical skills. I Man. probably would pick Starving Beat. I've seen this guy do shows and do amazing shit that I had to write about it. You know what I mean? I've seen him rhyme with no voice two times, and he killed it more than the other MCs coming up. Wow. You know? The, yeah. the, guy, the guy is a, is a machine. He's like, um, to put it there, because you know, I, I don't like calling on this, but to put it in perspective for listener, he has a black thought machine energy. Ooh. He has that type of energy. Like, when you see him live, you know, he could go on for days and days. Like if he said, look, listen, starving B, we got two hours to fill up here and we're going to pay you, but can you just fill up these two hours and just rhyme? And he's like, yeah, yeah, just give me a drink. I got this. You know, and he'll just, you know what I mean? <laughs> he, he could do it. He could do it. He's the one guy that could do it though. You know, the technical peaks of this decade, I, I, I associate with starving B, you know? So he, he would have to be my like addendum because I would have to put him there too. Cause I, some of his albums are near classic. Starvin' yeah. B is more the MC that because he has a large catalog, the joy of Starvin' B's work is not album by album. It's by adding album to the catalog and listening to all the stuff mixed together. Ooh, Shuffling a whole Starvin' B playlist is one of the most fun things you can do in life, you know? Right, right, so, right, 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 they, they, right, right. He's that, he's that type of artist, you know? I, I, it's just a shame that people like um, other MCs, the great MCs, they are not because they graduated. They also got cut off from the underground. And there's so many MCs that if they had met, if Black Thought was on stage and had met a starving B, he would be amazed. You know what I'm saying? If if a Ghostface would meet a Napoleon the Legend or or Raekwon, because Raekwon did his song with Napoleon. But if he actually met him and they made songs together, they would see like, yo, this guy's incredible. This guy's you know. Yeah. And they and they don't they don't you know it was it's we've been our own music is actually cut off to each other you know mm-hmm. what cipher that Nas is in now that he would be in tune with the great MCs of today's era and that's why when you ask these guys they go yeah I think Drake is doing great things um, <laughs> I think J Cole he's a lyricist like my day and I'm like Kendrick Lamar that yeah. guy yeah that that's that's a 
that's a 12 points a game guy, you know? That's Man, yo, God. Kendrick Lamar is 15 a game, you know? God, God you, 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 you brought that up, yo. People tripping off of, like, people put J. Cole on this level, like, he's this type of, like, there's a, there's a, like, there's J. a song Cole, that he's doing, right? That's being, they, 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 I've been seeing people share the live performance where he talks about the journey of an MC. Uh-huh. And how they sell out and stuff, and how they're not really. Yeah, what I could think of was like here's another goat that sold out, goat level talent that sold out was CeeLo. If you ever look up CeeLo's verse, um, yes. CeeLo's verse on the second DJ Muggs album, they did a song then, and he talks about um, an MC that sold out and fell out, and he ended up in the he ends. I'm in apartment 22 next door to you. It's just a mind-blowing verse. That verse, compare it to what J. Cole runs. J. Cole didn't bite. They had the same concept. And that's the difference. That is the difference why I say J. Cole is just scoring 13 a game. Because so did it so amazingly. And I that that looks like bargain shit. It's just basics. You know what I mean? Right. It's just basics. You know? But for this day and time, though, nothing gets out there to the average person and the average kid. So, and they and they don't have a representative. So, he's the one. He becomes the representative. You know. Exactly. Yeah. All right, God. Now let's let's let us let us wrap it up with um you know telling the people where they can find you, where they can get in tune with all of your all of your works, the different things that you're doing, and um you know drop a drop a plug for what your earth is doing as well. Absolutely, God. You know, um, you can find me on, on the social media, Sunyas, at Sunyas, on the, on the IG, on the, on the Twitter, it's Sunyas Allah. Um, you could go to my site, premierhiphop.com. I'm also doing my own podcast. Uh, that's the Power Right Show. Um, and that's another story. Power Right was a name that was given to me by uh, Bones Malone. The, the writer who I say is the father of my element, you know, and that intertwines with why, how I became a low life too. So that's another story for another day, you know, but, um, the power right show is on S street media. So when you go in and SoundCloud, you can look up power, right? Spelled correctly. And you can look up or S street media and you'll find that I got the first two episodes, you know, we've already got more and it's a show where I'm talking about hip hop, talk about all types of things but also having guests of who I think is the best. You know? So okay. we had the God's undeniable synergy and the God omnipotent um, as my very first guest in the second episode. And um, we're definitely going to have more. We have lots of bro. Everybody that I'm saying, I know they're all going to be there, you know? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> so it's going to be a very detailed show. Go. We're talking about the music. So it's detailing things, you know, not just saying, Hey, it's a banging beat. Like what they actually did. A real appreciation, a deeper look at them, at the music and the artists. But um, so you can find that there'll be at least like four episodes monthly. So it'll be like a weekly show. And um, I also do classic storm radio with DJ Toshi. So if you go to if you look up DJ Toshi, that's T-O-S-H-I and classic storm radio, you'll find that um, I also host those. So a lot of those are great interviews there. I just recently did Agala. And mm. to me, I, that is the definitive Aguilar interview. You know, we talked about everything in, in, his, in his career. So, you know, you could check that out. So I do a lot of different stuff. I do that, those two shows. Um, 
and my earth does Isaiah's kitchen. That's I Z A Y double A underscore kitchen. So it's Isaiah's I Z A Y A A S underscore kitchen, and you find her on Instagram. Um, right, Isaiah's kitchen in the Facebook. You get that, and she also has the Earth Isaiah uh, YouTube channel where she shares vegan videos. So what we both do is, led by her, we do uh, vegan workshops. We do vegan living foods, meal plans, all that. So, you know, it's a complete business, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, we just we just had our first workshop. So we do workshops in this, in this New York area. But we're also going to be doing webinars. So people on the web, look out for the webinars we'll be doing. There so Because even before I got knowledge, I left that pig a long time ago. <laughs> you know, KRS kicked in the head. And also what really kicked it? When Common said, what type of rebel eats pork? And I, I was like, Whoa. I'm a fucking rebel. I got to get rid of pork. Right? He said that on Maintain in, uh, in the, um, his 1994 album. Yeah, and um, I haven't eaten pork since then, but I've been a vegan since 96. So how to do this, the longevity of it, how to make it a living foods diet, how to use it, even if you're not, how to use it for your own benefit. This is the things that we go through, and she cooks amazingly. So teaching how to cook. Her background is Dominican, so a lot of those savage foods made the right way. You know what I mean? There you go. Made the right way without losing any of that flavor, though. So these are still black foods. You know what I mean? They're still going to taste good, you know? Right, indeed. We're not just like, oh, it's vegan. We just throw the tofu and just throw it on the table like that. (laughs) It's going to have... It's not Whole Foods tofu, you know, where they just give you blocks, you know? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. So, um, So she's on the IG... You know she's got the channel, so and then you know just look out for those webinars. And we'll, if you're in that, if you're in this local area, um, we're going to be doing like you know services where people can come and pick up food and everything like that. So okay, you know okay. in June we're going to start that. We got a whole menu here and everything. So wow. we're diving into that. So, so it's a it's a lot of stuff, God. It's That's a lot of stuff that we build. You know what I mean? Awesome, God. That's awesome, God. You know, that's awesome. Jim. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, God, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I definitely appreciate you, you know, for, for taking this time out, you know, to build with myself and the people, um, you know, and, and continue success. And I, I, I will, I will meet you in the physical, you know, shortly because I, I need to, I need to make my way back out there. I haven't seen, I haven't seen, um, you know, one of the, you know, my, my enlighteners enlightener in, in, in some years, the, the God Master Najee. Um, ah, Najee, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, you know, the flag I'm always wearing is from him. Oh, you know, word? my chain flag. That's oh, from him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God Najee, you yeah. know, I, I haven't seen him, haven't seen him in a minute. Oh, that's peace. Yeah, that's, that's peace. Yeah, yeah. I love the God. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my tree right there, you know, Master Najee. That's, mm, that's a powerful tree. That's a powerful tree. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a but brother. Definitely, God, it, it has been my honor. You know, no matter what I'm doing in all these forums, I'm always honored that people actually spend the time to hear anything I have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm truly honored, God. Indeed. You know, and this is a great podcast. Before, you know, I, I heard all the episodes and I love the concept. Yeah, I, and I definitely will keep listening. You know, man, my man, God, I, I appreciate that because I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be reaching to some other to some other you know original people too. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I might I might throw you some people. I might please, throw you some people. Please, please yeah, please, definitely. You know, because because I, I wanna I wanna speak with other original people throughout the diaspora on you know basically just on this science of kill religion. So everybody's not gonna be you know from our said nation. You know. Um, 
you know, but, uh, you know, I want to, I want to get that going, you know, to have, have different people come on and speak on their experiences because I think that, uh, not, I think, you know, you know, we, you know, I, I think that you'll agree that religion is something that's pervasive amongst original people all over, you know, and, um, it's a block. I think, you know, the reason I started the podcast, God, you know, before I, I know we said it was going to wrap up, but I, I want to drop this real quick. Please do. Yeah. The reason I started the podcast, God, is because I have I have a text group. It's a small text group with about with about four with about four of my of my 85 friends. Right. So and, you know, these are these are brothers that I've known for years. You know, um, you know, I say four out of the five. You know, I knew before I had knowledge of self, you know, we grew up together. So, you know, we'll be in this group and, you know, we'll be exchanging different ideas and, you know, we, we build different things. I might throw different shots out, you know, of course, you know, most, mm-hmm. brothers, most brothers on there are Christian, you know, I've been questioned and different things like that. And one of my, one of my friends, he's a um, seventh day of Venice. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a seventh day of Venice and, you know, and uh, and I remember, you know, growing up, you know, it was like, man, you know, he wasn't he wasn't going out on uh, on Fridays because, you know, he had to be at church on Saturday morning and, uh, you know, and things like that. And and as we've as we've become older, he's become more rooted in his thing, you know, and, um, and so, you know, we, we you know, we'll be going back and forth, you know, on this thing. And God, it was one conversation that we was having through this text message. And, you know, he, uh, he, he pissed me off so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it inspired the show, right? Yeah. It inspired the show, bro. <laughs> I'm serious, G. He pissed me off so bad that he that it inspired the show. Because, because, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, it ain't nothing. Because not, nothing that I'm saying here is not nothing that I've said to him. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, we, we was having the conversation about about all these churches in the black in the black and brown communities, right? You know, black community specifically. And oh, you know, so it's all the black community, but you know, African American, right? So right, right. And I'm like and I'm like, yo, I'm like, I'm like, God, oh, I'm like, man, I'm like all these churches in our communities, I said, and you know, they they nonprofit status, they not paying no taxes. I'm like, so I'm like, and then we talking about Chicago. How many churches in Chicago and the devastation is happening amongst black people in Chicago? You know, like, like, this is crazy. Like, how, how is this? I said, and then when you're speaking on, on the, on the African, the so-called African-American community, the church, this is like, this is like, our, this is like the only institution that we have some sort of control over, you know, um, institution in our communities that 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 we really have some type of control over and it needs to be doing more it needs to be doing more in 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 terms of uplifting our community in a real way and mm-hmm. and, and and my and you know my man's he was he, he was basically coming from the perspective of it is giving our community something, but not in the way that you want to see it done. He's saying that it's giving our community, it's, it's fulfilling the spiritual needs of the community. <laughs> and, 
I'm like, and so yo, I'm like, I'm like, yo, so you know, just 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 to not go too too deep into that. We was going back and forth on that. But after that, I was like, yo, I'm about to start this podcast called Cure Religion, because this shit is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. That'll do it though. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, yeah. It, it's um it's always been that so much of the the necessary things are inspired by devilishment. It's really one of, one of the reasons that devil was made, you know what I mean? Mm. To inspire in, in many different ways, you know. L- listen, you know, like I have tons of hashtags, but the most popular I use is respect fake. You know? Ah. So <laughs> So sometimes the anger fuels things that say things a little better. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah right, exactly. All right, God, I'm going to let you go ahead and go do do your things that you got to do out there. You know, say peace to the family. Absolutely, and I'm God. Likewise. Peace. peace to the God. Peace. Peace.